Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, it turns out to be. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, where I tend to actually not tweet about a lot of baseball, but still, I tweet about things, and I hope that you maybe check that out. But most importantly, follow the show account, get updates on the show, what we're going to be doing, and what guests will be on the show. Um, Also, be sure to, if you feel inclined, hit me up with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. Like I mentioned, sometimes I tweet about guests, and today... We have a guest on this Wednesday, wonderful April Fool's Day edition, except there's nothing really foolish about it or whatever. Let me just end this intro before I keep talking too much. I'm being joined by Mr. Connor Newcomb, the host of the Locked On Orioles podcast. How are you doing, Connor? I'm great, Javier. How are you? I'm uh, I'm hanging in there, just just doing, just creating content, I guess, and trying to just live through this really unprecedented time period that we're all in right now. Have you, what has it been like for you so far? Yeah. So it's been, uh, you know, uh, at home, I've been at home. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, my other job, I, I work as a play-by-play broadcaster at, at Johns Hopkins university here in Baltimore. Um, obviously all college sports are canceled through the spring season. So my job is, I guess you wouldn't necessarily say I lost my job, but it's over. Um, until uh, until college sports start back up again. Who knows when that would be? I mean, the hope is that in August, football and soccer and volleyball and field hockey and all that starts up again, and and I'll have some work to do again. But but until then, just been at home. Actually, here in Maryland today, um, Governor Larry Hogan just issued um, a stay-at-home measure, basically you know, pretty close to putting the state on lockdown starting tonight at 8. So we in Maryland have kind of hit that point now so it's kind of just uh hunker down and find things to watch on netflix yeah that's that's that absolutely especially the ending part there definitely finding some things i've been watching like a bunch of sports movies lately trying to watch all of them and just because i'm going to be doing a podcast soon about that so that's what i've been up to in terms of leisure time i guess you could say but I at least have the excuse of saying it's somewhat for work but yeah it's it's really crazy man and i'm sorry to hear about that and i know that a lot of people out there are going through the same thing. So thoughts, of course, going out to everybody. And I hope this podcast kind of cheers you up just a little bit. We're talking Manny Machado. You might have heard of him before, Connor, and the rest of the audience might have heard of him before. He is currently playing for the San Diego Padres. But I want to have you on the podcast because obviously you host the Orioles podcast. You're Mr. Baltimore, and you are more tapped into, I would assume, the career highlights and whatnot of Manny Machado. So I kind of wanted to do a this is the rare American League actually guest on the podcast, and I'm really excited to do that and just talk about Manny Machado as a whole and our top five kind of moments of his career. And I know that you've been working on that. I have been as well. And yeah, that's basically it. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Connor, do you want to start things off, I guess, with let's let's start with how did you feel about Manny Machado? If you had like a, a brief two sentence, not a pitch, but an exit survey type of thing, how you felt about his time in Baltimore? I mean, one of my favorite Orioles I've ever watched. Um, And for me, at least seeing from the beginning of his career to the end of his career with Baltimore, I mean, he's up there with with the best Orioles players I've ever watched. So he'll always have a special place in my heart. And I know I didn't keep it to two sentences, but Manny Machado came up to the big leagues in 2012. 
that's when the Orioles made the playoffs for the first time uh, in my lifetime. So he'll always be connected to that too. Well said, man. Well said. So you want to get into the top five first uh, that we each have selected or. Yeah, we can do that. I got my top five here. I got, I got, I got three defense um, and two offense here. If you want me to what start with my number five play, Go, go ahead. You can start. Well, I'd say number five, you know, podcasting not exactly a visual medium but uh you can look up this video and and watch it um number five a defensive play he made Manny Machado was uh it seemed like never the friend of Albert Pujols um he seemed to rob him time and time again of hits uh they also had an an interesting play go down where uh Gary Thorne made somewhat of an interesting call on a routine grounder but um yeah, Manny Machado made a play in Baltimore against the Angels and it was a big play it was the 11th inning the game was tied Mm-hmm. Um, Pulotz hits one down the line, and even with uh, his feet and his speed, it's going to be a double if it gets by Machado. And Machado fields it at a backhander, and his momentum takes him about four or five steps into foul ground. And then he just plants his feet and fires a laser across the diamond for the out. It was the strongest throw I've ever seen, uh, probably from an infielder. Um, and maybe not his best ever defensive play, but it was one of the most impressive, and, and I've got that at number five. Yeah, defense is, I would say, would be – Machado's greatest strength it is one of the things that has been so incredible about watching him over the years and he's just got one of those arms that's just like I mean it's it's baseball very rarely I think is a sport where you just have to tune in right it's it's more of a numbers game and it's easy to look at highlights and the playback of the games right but when Manny Machado is playing you really want to watch every single time this guy fields the ball he's got this incredible arm he's got this almost first player that comes to mind like the robinson cano like the the ease by which he fields i think is just always breathtaking to watch and yeah i remember i remember seeing that play it was zero zero i believe like top of the 11th if i'm not mistaken scoreless game the Orioles ended up walking off and winning that game too and that play from machado was was wild absolutely man so now that's your number five i'm gonna go with my first pick of plays that i want to give shout out to First of all, I want to just give a random shout out to the, his name. Uh, Manny Machado is an upper tier athlete name and probably just an upper tier name in general. I just want to throw that out there. I remember when I heard that this guy was coming up to the Orioles and I was just like, oh, this I bet you this guy is going to be good. Me being the ignorant sports fan. Anyway, my first number five, I just want to give a shout out to his first major league hit. And that was a triple. I forgot what team it was against. I for some reason didn't put that down. But I always like when the first hit by famous players or players just coming up happens to be something that's impressive and it was a triple for him and it's not like he's a total speedster so I thought that that was a a notable part of his career and really the beginning of what would be so far an all-star really up there potentially an elite all-time player um, depending on how things shake out with the Padres so that was just the first of many I suppose yeah and that actually uh took the words out of my mouth that was my number four uh on my list mm-hmm. it was actually august 9th 2012 the day he gets called up uh he was a you know number three overall pick back in 2010 orioles fans knew who he was as he climbed the system and you know the o's were were right in the division race in august for the first time in 15 years and they call up this can't miss prospect um and he goes two for four in his first game as you said it was the fifth inning against the royals they actually lost that game 8-2. to two. They were trailing 7 nothing when he hit this triple. Didn't really matter in the game at all, but such a such a memorable experience to have your first hit be a triple. So then I'll shout out as my number four then what he did the very next day in just his second major league game. He hits mm-hmm. two home runs and drives in four, uh, four runs in a 
seven to one win over Kansas City. So he uh, threw extra base hits in his first two games, the big league level. Yeah, he definitely did not waste any time uh, coming up to the major league level. And that was actually my number four. We're stealing off each other so far. <laughs> that was that was my number four play, the, the double home run game. But there's more interesting offensive highlights. And another one actually that happened against the Angels that I'll be mentioning in a little bit. But I guess if I would go with my next pick, there is a play that he made against the Yankees. And I was with my dad when this happened. It was against a batter by the name of Luis Cruz. And... It was, you know, we, we talk about defense and whatnot. We talk about that arm, you know, and like you said, this isn't a visual medium, but basically what happened is it bounces off his glove. And I think he, he's so far out of, out of bounds trying to field this thing. He's practically in the convenience store section and it bounces off his glove. He doesn't catch it immediately, but then he grabs it on the floor and flings it like across his body with the force of Hercules and nails Luis Cruz at first base that would be my number like three play. And I just remember me and my dad like shouting. We were like, oh, because this was this was a while ago. And I just remember seeing that and being like, who is this? Like, <laughs> like, who is this guy? And I need to understand how this is humanly possible. And that was just one of those plays. That was the first I would call that my awakening to Manny Machado's defense defense. Like I knew that he was good at defense, but this is one of the first times I saw it. I saw it live against the Yankees. I was watching it with my dad and we both freaked out. Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're on the same page here because that's my number two play. Um, right. That is widely regarded by Orioles fans as his best defensive play um, in his career as an Oriole. Uh, twenty thirteen, it was actually funny. You know, it was first full major league season. You talked about it being Luis Cruz. You know, if you kind of remember back to to twenty twelve, the Orioles and the Yankees were fighting all year for the AL East title, mm-hmm. um, and the Yankees. Finally won it, you know, in the last week of the season, the Orioles got the wild card and then they actually met in the ALDS. It was a great five game series that the Yankees won. But then if you remember in that ALCS, that's when Jeter goes down with the injury. The Yankees get swept Mm. by the Tigers and, you know, it kind of snowballs into next year because Jeter missed, you know, most of that 2013 season. That Yankee team in 2013 was kind of just a bunch of no name guys filled in with veterans who were past their prime. And Luis Cruz was a guy that I don't even know if he's played since then, but was was in that Orioles starting lineup. And both teams weren't great that year. The Orioles, I think, won 85 games. They didn't make the playoffs. The Yankees were not good either. Um, it was just a random game in July. And Manny Machado, as you said, he, he kind of boots it at first. It's funny that his best defensive play mm-hmm. you know, was almost an error initially. He boots it off his glove into foul territory and just picks it up and slings it in one motion, almost like a fadeaway jumper falling away from first right. base. Um, and on a line to get Cruz and Luis Cruz is a great shot of him just hands on his head like what just happened um, and and still you know seven years later widely regarded as the best defensive play for Manny at least by Orioles fans yeah and I just then the reason is I could have just easily picked this as number one and whatnot or I could have put this at number five wherever but I ranked it there because it's just I saw it live and there's just something about seeing incredible defensive plays, especially when I'm basically just lounging around doing nothing. The game, it's almost the game just happens to be on. Like you said, it wasn't like a competitive season for either of those teams. And my dad is such a big Yankees fan that he'll put on anything. That's the Yankees. Right. But it was just incredible to just be sitting around and all, all of a sudden just being like, Oh my God, who is that guy? That I remember that was my dad's actual words. He was just like, Oh, who is that? That, that was his reaction. And of course, he would go on to be, become kind of a 
a villain for the Yankee fans just because he was a divisional rival. And yeah, you're right. I remember actually my dad thought about quitting the Yankees because I think that series against Baltimore, it was the beginning of, and when Jeter went down, I remember every single player on the Yankees roster just went into a slump. I remember that was like a big, big deal. And it was, it was really just nuts to watch. So yeah, just want to give a shout out to the losing Yankees in that situation. Hey guys, what's up? Just taking a quick break from this conversation with Connor to talk to you about our old buddies and pals at Withings. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called Withings produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. In fact, Tom's Guide rated Withings Body Plus the best overall smart scale for 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. Withings smart scales are known for durability and an exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you need to have your phone on you. But Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users and even know who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a Withings Body Plus right now at withings.com for a very limited time. Go to withings.com withings spelled w-i-t-h-i-n-g-s dot com slash mlb to get 25 percent off body plus body composition scales that's withings w-i-t-h-i-n-g-s dot com slash mlb to get 25 percent off body plus body composition scales now with my next with my next play unless you would like to go next because I'm already I, forgetting what order we're even in. <laughs> take uh, we just went with our number three, so take your your number two. Okay, so my number two, I I, I went back and forth, and I didn't want to be super biased in this podcast, right? But I decided with my number two instead of going with my number one. The day he signed that contract to become a member of the San Diego Padres. And besides just the fact that he's becoming a part of the Padres, there's there's a couple reasons I want to mention this. So it's not entirely biased. I'm, I'm finagling my way. You see, Connor, I'm trying to come up with other reasons for why this is my number two. I also put this at number two because one, it was a lot of money. And two, the fact that I remember one of the big conversations, and please quote me if I'm wrong or if you interpret it differently. One of the conversations this year of free agency was, wow, this is going to be one of the great dramatic NBA like offseason because you got Bryce Harper as a free agent and you got Manny Machado as a free agent two young up and coming or hopefully up and coming like all timer superstar caliber players and people were expecting to be drama filled and all this stuff and all of a sudden that didn't happen really the, it, the they signed by the time I was basically done with my junior year of college and it was really disappointing because I wanted it to be kind of a like an NBA type of thing where everybody's asking it every day. And instead, it was it was kind of boring. And what I remember was there's a theory that there was this league wide. I don't want to use the word conspiracy and, you know, be over dramatic, but it was this league wide initiative to kind of not pay guys these exorbitant long contracts, specifically the length. So all teams were holding out. That was one of the the theories that I was watching and reading about and what have you. And I just want to give a shout out because despite all that, despite how long it took, Manny Machado still got the big, long 10-year deal deal from the Padres and from the Padres too, which was kind of unexpected for a lot of people because it's the Padres and they're not a super uh, money-filled team, I guess is the way to put it. So it wasn't like this was the Red Sox or Chicago or anybody like that. And I just want to give a shout out to the fact that that narrative was proven false and that 
if there was a game of chicken going on, clearly Manny Machado ended up winning in the end by getting such a long contract. Yeah, he did. And uh, the fear that offseason, you know, with the Orioles fans, obviously they knew he wasn't come, coming back to Baltimore. The Orioles had traded him at the deadline to the Dodgers, who, you know, came oh so close to winning World Series with him. But uh, the fear among Orioles fans really was that he was going to sign with the Yankees. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody knew that the Yankees were going to pursue either Machado or Harper. Um, and it was, you know, kind of funny for Orioles fans that they ended up with neither of them. But uh, <laughs> and it may have been because they didn't want to shell out an, an A-Rod style contract. You know, it was the Orioles fans were scared that he was going to be in New York playing the playing the Orioles 19 times a year for for the next 10 years and play for the hated Yankees. And I think it was a it was a good moment and kind of a happy moment for Orioles fans because it was like, all right, we know he's not coming back to Baltimore. So, you know what? Go go sign in the NL West. You know, we'll see. We'll see that team once every three years. You know, it just so kind of happened that he came back to Baltimore last year. San Diego traveled to Baltimore for a series, uh, which which made it kind of interesting. But, you know, go to the NL West. We'll play against Manny, you know, three times every three years um, and he can enjoy out there and we won't have to watch him in pinstripes. Um, And Orioles fans can cheer for a team like the Padres. You know, they don't have anything against that team from San Diego, you know, Adam Jones, one of the most beloved Orioles of all time, is from San Diego. Now there's four or five former Orioles with this uh, Padres ball club. So I think uh, Mato's fans happy when he signed there. Yeah, I can understand that. It would have been really sad, and it kind of would have been a representative of how, unfortunately, in my opinion, baseball can be sometimes, which is just the team with the more money ends up winning out and gets the superstar and then tortures you and makes your team feel like you're just a farm system for the Yankees in this case, where it's just like, oh yeah, you had fun with the first five, six years of his career. Now we get him when in theory he should be hitting his prime. So absolutely. And it's, it's good to hear you say that man. And I know for sure we'll be talking about his stint in San Diego and how I feel about it, but now it is your turn to go with your next play. What do you got for us? Yeah, so the Luis Cruz play was my number two, so we'll back up to number mm-hmm. three. And then you mentioned it, what your number one was, and it sounds like <laughs> we have the same number one, and I was actually in the ballpark for my number one. Really? Um, but uh, okay, number three for me, we go back to his rookie season again. Um, 2012, a September game against the Rays. You know, the Rays were, were still a, around in it, but in the AL East that year it was really Yankees and Orioles. Um, and the O's were, you know, fighting for the division, fighting for at least a wild card spot. And uh, the game was tied uh, in the top of the ninth inning at Camden Yards. Uh, the Rays had a runner on second with two down. And Evan Longoria at the plate hits this little slow chopper on a 3 2 mm. pitch down the third baseline. And Machado comes in, you know, fields it with a bare hand. You think, oh boy, here comes one of these Manny specials. But Gary Thorne, the announcer for the Orioles, has, you know, a different thought in his mind, which is probably what a lot of people thought, which was don't throw it away, you know. That play was going to be really close at first. If you just hold on to it, at least it becomes first and third. You don't throw it away. Give the Rays the go-ahead run. You try to get the next batter. Well, as Gary Thorne yells, don't throw it away, Manny pump fakes the throw to first, and it was some September call-up kind of no-name player for the Rays who was rounding third base, Um, and he rounds third base too far. Manny Mm -hmm. Machado pump fakes to first, turns around, and the Orioles shortstop, J.J. Hardy, had snuck in behind the runner at third, Manny pumps to first, turns, throws back to third, and they end up getting the guy in the rundown, and our catcher Matt Wieters ends up tagging him out. And the Gary Thorne call of don't throw it away, don't throw it at all 
is probably one of the best, you know, regular season, <laughs> not super high leverage moment calls that I've ever heard uh, from an announcer. And that's, you know, I think more people think the Luis Cruz play is probably his best, but the fact that he was 15, maybe games, 20 games into his major league career at that point in a huge, you know, division race game tie game in the ninth. And he pulls that play out of there, not just knowing that he could get the runner, but knowing that Hardy would be behind him to uh, put the tag down at third base. It was one of the smartest baseball plays I've ever seen, you know, mm -hmm. from a 20 year old kid. Um, and I can't right. say 20 year old kid since I'm older than a 20 year old kid, but 20 year old <laughs> kid. Um, and it was a phenomenal play. And, and that's my number three, but that just showed, you know, how good he was defensively, but to go to my number one, and it seemed like you had alluded to it, that, that this was uh, your number one as well as you mentioned the, Orioles and the Angels and uh this season for the O's to go back to 2017 you know they were kind of in the wild card race all season never had it but were always you know anywhere from a game to five games back they kind of fell apart in September that year um when they went into September just a game back of the wild card um and that kind of started their rebuild process of course they were awful in 18 awful in 19 but in August of 2017 they were still fighting for the wild card every day um, and I was in the ballpark for a Friday night game against the Angels, and the Orioles pitching did not um, do well in that game at all. But Manny Machado had two home runs through eight innings. He came to the mm -hmm. plate, came to the plate against uh, Cam Middleton, I believe, is the pitcher. I believe that's his name, a right-hander for the Angels. Bases loaded, one out in the ninth, trailing seven to five. And you're thinking, all right, base hit can tie the game. At the very least, a fly ball is you know, going to make it a one-run game. And he goes dead center, walk-off grand slam for his third mm. home run of the day, um, which was a three-homer game for him. I believe his first career three-homer game, seven RBIs, and finishes it with a walk-off grand slam. I mean, you can't get much better than that to win the game. Um, he was fired up. It was some of the most fired up I've seen him in his Oriole career at felt like it kind of kept the Orioles in the wild card race for the time being um, when he, when he won that game with the grand slam and that, you know, I think put something extra special that I was in the ballpark sitting down the left field line when he hit that, but that's definitely got to be my, my top Manny Machado moment. Absolutely, man. You, yep. We have the same exact number one. It was close for me. Like I said, I didn't want to be too biased about the Padres thing, but it was a fun little, little piece of this is also I had him on my fantasy team that year and the reason why I actually tuned into this game at home was because I just gotten back from hanging out with some friends and I saw wow Machado has two home runs already and he's up right now and the bases are loaded and I'm like oh great get me some more points get me some more home runs or categories I think I was playing fantasy categories back then and then I turned it on I think I actually turned it on at the beginning of the inning. I don't think I saw that Manny Machado was up, but I did see that this is their last chance. And I'm like, Oh, you know, cause when you're playing fantasy sports, you hope for the most minor of contributions. Right. So I'm like, Oh, maybe he'll get another chance to bat, even though they're down right now. And then I saw it live and I was like, this guy is just unbelievable. And I really appreciate him helping out my own team. But also I remember that 2017 team. I remember a lot of the Orioles teams and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but those Orioles teams were interesting because they were almost entirely just power based. From what I remember, they didn't really have too much fear. They didn't really have not too much fear. They didn't really have too many um, 
quality starting pitchers. There wasn't a real ace that people were really afraid of. This is, these are the days of guys like um, Ibaldo Jimenez, if I'm not mistaken, and yep. guys like Kevin Gosman. And what was funny is it almost didn't matter sometimes with some of these teams. They had Nelson Cruz and Mark Trumbo and, of course, Machado. And every year they just hit home run after home run after home run. And this, I feel like, not only was the peak now, I shouldn't say the peak of his career, but one of the peak moments that I remember of Manny Machado's career. And just one of the – that kind of encapsulates who the Baltimore Orioles are for a while with a walk-off Grand Slam to win it. And you said you were at this game? I was, yeah. I was sitting down the uh, sitting down the third baseline to see all three home runs from him. Wow. That's, that's just incredible, man. I mean, witnessing moments like that in person when you're with – people who think like you and are Orioles fans or Padres fans or whatever and what have you. I really think that that's just the peak of why I still love sports. And I think why a lot of us still love sports when you finally have those moments where you can just shout and act like little kids again. And that's really what I feel like this number one play really encapsulates the most. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic to see him hit three homers. It actually kind of sparked the Orioles a bit, not right after this game, but shortly after they went on a seven game winning streak um, to end August we're kind of right in the thick of the playoff race. And then they uh, fell over and I believe lost 10 in a row in early September and just uh, just fell apart down the stretch. And that was kind of the last hurrah for Manny. Obviously, you know, he had the rest of that season and the first half of the next season before he got traded. But the team was so bad kind of after that when he was on it that that was kind of his last shining moment as an Oriole. And I'm back, everybody, just my voice now, to cut off this interview with Mr. Connor Newcomb of Locked On Orioles, because that is it for part one of our discussion, talking the top five moments of Manny Machado's career. On Friday, you guys are going to hear part two of the podcast, where we kind of go and get into a deep dive about Manny Machado as a whole, some of his on-field behavior, if people know what I mean and what I'm alluding to, and just in general, some stuff with him and the Padres, and stuff with him and the Orioles, and just kind of just this more in-depth look at Manny Machado and kind of how we both feel about him as a player as a whole. But yeah, like I said, that is it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, whatever. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. The show is at LO underscore Padres, and my name is at Javapeno on Twitter. You can follow me there if you would like. Now, also, guys, go to your smart devices now and play Locked On MLB. It's hosted by my man Sully, and he's great and awesome. It's the National Locked On Baseball Podcast. Really great stuff, so go check that out as well. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.